Chapter 7 Salamander Isn't it nice to know that Ender can do the impossible? The players' deaths have always been sickening. I've always thought the giant's drink was the most perverted part of the whole mind game. But going for the eye like that? This is the one we want to put in command of our fleet? What matters is that he won the game that couldn't be won. I suppose you'll move him now? We were waiting to see how he handled the thing with Bernard. He handled it perfectly. So as soon as he can cope with the situation, you move him to one he can't cope with. Doesn't he get any rest? He'll have a month or two, maybe three, with his launch group. That's really quite a long time in a child's life. Does it ever seem to you that these boys aren't children? I look at what they do, the way they talk, and they don't seem like little kids. They're the most brilliant children in the world, each in his own way. But shouldn't they still act like children? They aren't normal. They act like history, Napoleon and Wellington, Caesar and Brutus. We're trying to save the world, not heal the wounded heart. You're too compassionate. General Levy has no pity for anyone. All the videos say so. But don't hurt this boy. Are you joking? I mean, don't hurt him more than you have to. Eli sat across from Ender at dinner. I finally figured out how you sent that message, using Bernard's name. Me? asked Ender. Come on, who else? It sure wasn't Bernard, and Shen isn't too hot on the computer. And I know it wasn't me. Who else? It doesn't matter. I figured out how to fake a new student entry. You just created a student named Bernard Blank. B-E-R-N-A-R-D space. So the computer didn't kick you out as a repeat of another student. Sounds like that might work, said Ender. Okay, okay, it does work. But you did that practically on the first day. Or somebody. Maybe Dap did it, to keep Bernard from getting too much control. <laughs> I have found something else. I can't do it with your name. Oh? Anything with Ender in it gets kicked out. I can't get inside your files at all either. You made your own security system. Maybe. Alai grinned. I just got in and trashed somebody's files. He's right behind me on cracking the system. I need a protection, Ender. I need your system. If I give you my system, you'll know how I do it and you'll get in and trash me. You say me? Alai asked. I'm the sweetest friend you got. Ender laughed. I'll set up a system for you. Now? Can I finish eating? You never finish eating. It was true. Ender's tray always had food on it after a meal. Ender looked at the plate and decided he was through. Let's go then. When they got to the barracks, Ender squatted down by his bed and said, Get your desk and bring it over here. I'll show you how. But when Eli brought his desk to Ender's bed, Ender was just sitting there, his locker still closed. What up? asked Eli. In answer, Ender palmed his locker. Unauthorized access attempt, it said. It didn't open. Oh, somebody done a dance on your head, Mama, Eli said. Somebody eated your face. You sure you want my security system now? Ender got up and walked away from his bed. Ender, said Eli. Ender turned around. Eli was holding a little piece of paper. What is it? Eli looked up at him. 
Don't you know? This was on your bed. You must have sat on it. Ender took it from him. Ender Wigan, assigned Salamander Army, Commander Bonzo Madrid, effective immediately, code green-green-brown, no possessions transferred. You're smart, Ender, but you don't do the battle room any better than me. Ender shook his head. It was the stupidest thing he could think of to promote him now. Nobody got promoted before they were eight years old. Ender wasn't even seven yet. And launches usually moved into the armies together, with most armies getting a new kid at the same time. There were no transfer slips on any of the other beds. Just when things were finally coming together, just when Bernard was getting along with everybody, even Ender, just when Ender was beginning to make a real friend out of a lie, just when his life was finally getting livable, Ender reached down to pull a lie up from the bed. Salamander army is in contention anyway, Eli said. Ender was so angry at the unfairness of the transfer that tears were coming to his eyes. I mustn't cry, he told himself. Eli saw the tears, but had the grace not to say so. They're fartheads, Ender. They won't even let you take anything you own. Ender grinned and didn't cry after all. <laughs> you think I should strip and go naked? Eli laughed too. On impulse, Ender hugged him, tight, almost as if he were Valentine. He even thought of Valentine then and wanted to go home. I don't want to go, Ender said. Eli hugged him back. I understand them, Ender. You are the best of us. Maybe they in a hurry to teach you everything. They don't want to teach me everything, Ender said. I wanted to learn what it was like to have a friend. Eli nodded soberly. Always my friend, always the best of my friends, he said. Then he grinned. Go slice up at the buggers. Yeah, Ender smiled back. Eli suddenly kissed Ender on the cheek and whispered in his ear, Salam. Then, red-faced, he turned away and walked to his own bed at the back of the barracks. Ender guessed that the kiss and the word were somehow forbidden, a suppressed religion, perhaps. Or maybe the word had some private and powerful meaning for a lie alone. Whatever it meant to a lie, Ender knew that it was sacred, that he had uncovered himself for Ender, as once Ender's mother had done, when he was very young, before they put the monitor in his neck, and she had put her hands on his head when she thought he was asleep, and prayed over him. Ender had never spoken of that to anyone, not even to mother, but had kept it as a memory of holiness, of how his mother loved him when she thought that no one, not even he, could see or hear. That was what a lie had given him, a gift so sacred that even Ender could not be allowed to understand what it meant. After such a thing, nothing could be said. Eli reached his bed and turned around to see Ender. Their eyes held for only a moment, locked in understanding. Then Ender left. There would be no green-green-brown in this part of the school. He would have to pick up the colors in one of the public areas. The others would be finished with dinner very soon. He didn't want to go near the mess hall. The game room would be nearly empty. None of the games appealed to him the way he felt now, so he went to the bank of public desks at the back of the room and signed into his own private game. He went quickly to Fairyland. The giant was dead when he arrived now. He had to climb carefully down the table, jump to the leg of the giant's overturned chair, and then make the drop to the ground. For a while, there had been rats gnawing at the giant's body but Ender had killed one with a pin from the giant's ragged shirt and they had left him alone after that. 
The giant's corpse had essentially finished its decay. What could be torn by small scavengers was torn. The maggots had done their work on the organs. Now it was a desiccated mummy, hollowed out, teeth in a rigid grin, eyes empty, fingers curled. Ender remembered burrowing through the eye when it had been alive and malicious and intelligent. Angry and frustrated as he was, Ender wished to do such violence again. But the giant had become part of the landscape now, and so there could be no rage against him. Ender had always gone over the bridge to the castle of the Queen of Hearts, where there were games enough for him, but none of those appealed to him now. He went around the giant's corpse and followed the brook upstream to where it emerged from the forest. There was a playground there, slides and monkey bars, teeter-totters and merry-go-rounds, with a dozen children laughing as they played. Ender came and found that in the game he had become a child, though usually his figure in the games was adult. In fact, he was smaller than the other children. He got in line for the slide. The other children ignored him. He climbed up to the top, watched the boy before him whirl down the long spiral to the ground. Then he sat and began to slide. He had not slid for a moment when he fell right through the slide and landed on the ground under the ladder. The slide would not hold him. Neither would the monkey bars. He would climb a ways, but then at random a bar seemed to be insubstantial and he fell. He could sit on the seesaw until he rose to the apex, then he fell. When the merry-go-round went fast, he could not hold on to any of the bars, and centrifugal force hurled him off. And the other children, their laughter was raucous, offensive. They circled around him and pointed and laughed for many seconds before they went back to their play. Ender wanted to hit them, to throw them in the brook. Instead, he walked into the forest. He found a path, which soon became an ancient brick road, much overgrown with weeds but still usable. There were hints of possible games off to either side, but Ender followed none of them. He wanted to see where the path led. It led to a clearing with a well in the middle, and a sign that said, Drink, Traveler. Ender went forward and looked at the well. Almost at once, he heard a snarl. Out of the woods emerged a dozen slavering wolves with human faces. Ender recognized them. They were the children from the playground. Only now their teeth could tear. Ender, weaponless, was quickly devoured. His next figure appeared, as usual, in the same spot and was eaten again, though Ender tried to climb down into the well. The next appearance, though, was at the playground. Again, the children laughed at him. Laugh all you like, Ender thought. I know what you are. He pushed one of them. She followed him, angry. Ender led her up the slide. Of course, he fell through, but this time, following so closely behind him, she also fell through. When she hit the ground, she turned into a wolf and lay there, dead or stunned. One by one, Ender led each of the others into a trap, but before he had finished off the last of them, the wolves began reviving and were no longer children. Ender was torn apart again. This time, shaking and sweating, Ender found his figure revived on the giant's table. I should quit, he told himself. I should go to my new army. But instead, he made his figure drop down from the table and walk around the giant's body to the playground. This time, as soon as the child hit the ground and turned into a wolf, Ender dragged the body to the brook and pulled it in. Each time, the body sizzled as though the water were acid. The wolf was consumed, and a dark cloud of smoke arose and drifted away. 
The children were easily dispatched, though they began following him in twos and threes at the end. Ender found no wolves waiting for him in the clearing, and he lowered himself into the well on the bucket rope. The light in the cavern was dim, but he could see piles of jewels. He passed them by, noting that, behind him, eyes glinted among the gems. A table covered with food did not interest him. He passed through a group of cages hanging from the ceiling of the cave, each containing some exotic, friendly-looking creature. I'll play with you later, Ender thought. At last he came to a door with these words in glowing emeralds. The End of the World He did not hesitate. He opened the door and stepped through. He stood on a small ledge, high on a cliff overlooking a terrain of bright and deep green forest, with dashes of autumn color and patches here and there of cleared land, with ox-drawn plows and small villages, a castle on a rise in the distance, and clouds riding currents of air below him. Above him, the sky was the ceiling of a vast cavern, with crystals dangling in bright stalactites. The door closed behind him. Ender studied the scene intently. With the beauty of it, he cared less for survival than usual. He cared little, at the moment, what the game of this place might be. He had found it, and seeing it was its own reward. And so, with no thought of consequences, he jumped from the ledge. Now he plummeted downwards toward a roiling river and savage rocks, but a cloud came between him and the ground as he fell, and caught him and carried him away. It took him to the tower of the castle and through the open window, bearing him in. There it left him in a room with no apparent door in floor or ceiling, and windows looking out over a certainly fatal fall. A moment ago he had thrown himself from a ledge carelessly. This time he hesitated. The small rope